Welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with me, your host Hattie Butterworth. I'm a cellist and writer in my final year at the Royal College of Music in London, and I think we need a new way of talking. I've spent many, many years feeling in the dark about issues in the classical music profession. So often it can feel like you're the only person struggling with anxiety, depression, career doubts, money, injuries, and so much more. Who do we go to when we feel we've had enough, for whatever reason? Join me and guests as we end the stigma with honest conversations about the things musicians don't talk about. Hello everybody, welcome back um, to the, what are we on now? Is this the sixth episode? Wow, that has been a journey. Um, thank you everyone for the incredible response I had from the episode with Laura last week. If you haven't listened to it yet, I really do urge you to go and hear it because it's, yeah, it changed the way I've thought about myself as a musician, actually. Even within a week, I think a lot of things have changed and the perspective I previously had has sort of shifted. Um, But today I'm actually talking to another very inspiring person who is called Laura, Laura Serra, and she is a Spanish pianist who is currently studying her master's at the RCM. And she previously was on the performance science degree that is um, on offer at the RCM. And if you want to find out more about the performance science degree, um, she does go into detail about it, but you can also find out online um, on the RCM website if you're interested in it. Um, It is a really fascinating degree. So yeah, I hope you're all really well. Yeah, please do keep sharing your stories, sharing the podcast. Thank you for everybody that has spread the word. And I really look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the coming weeks. Laura, thank you so much for agreeing to come and talk today. How are you doing? First of all, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited about it. Oh, lovely. Um, so can you first of all tell everybody a bit about your musical background and sort of the work you're doing at the moment and where you're at? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah, so I'm a final master's student at the Royal College of Music. Um, I'm doing piano there, so I have my result really soon. And a few years ago, I did the, also the MSc in Performance Science at the college as well. Um, so now I'm trying to find a way to combine both. So that's why I started um, Coaching Musicians, which is kind of an, an initiative to offer musicians with psychological resources um, to cope with the demands of our career. So, yeah, I mean, I studied my bachelor's in Madrid, um, and now here I am. Okay, wow, that's amazing. So, um, about the performance science degree, I think a lot of people are really interested in it, and actually, I think when I had my first year of undergrad at RCM, we did have an introduction by the head of the performance science, um, Mm. and I just wonder wonder if you could explain a bit about what it involves, you know, how is it, how is it, how is the course structured, so um, it's a really interesting course. It's divided into a few modules. We have performance education. We had performance psychology, health and well-being, health and well-being in the performing arts. And then we have to do our own dissertation, so like research skills, and that's kind of the the big module of the program. And yeah, this what the performance science course does is it teaches you how to do research, and in this case, in the music field. Um, And then once you are in the course, you can do your own research on your own topic, so you can choose to go more into education or performance skills or health and well-being. Um, You can also go into music therapy. I did my research on the impact of sleep in musicians' health and well-being, so I focused right. a little so that was, bit. Was that your dissertation? Yeah. Okay. And a study with a few participants from college. And yeah, I looked into how sleep impacts then their daily lives and their practice and even their performance. And then how everything is a cycle and if it affects their life and their mm. mood. And then that impacts their sleep at the same time. And 
So yeah, was it this research that sort of spurred you on to start coaching musicians, the initiative? Exactly. Was it that? Yeah. yeah. So can you explain then a bit about what coaching musicians is um, and, you know, what motivated you to set it up? And did it come yeah. from a personal experience or was it your research that sort of showed you that there was a gap in, gap in the market sort of thing? Yeah. So... Yeah, what I saw when I was doing my research is um, we as musicians, like, uh, we are kind of struggling with the same issues. Um, so we'll say like how to focus in practice, performance anxiety, even mental health issues. And from the performance science course, I was seeing that there is a lot of resources out there that are already known like coping strategies or knowledge on health and well-being of what we can do better to cope with these challenges that we face. So what I was saying is like, okay, there is this knowledge out there. Theoretically, we know it. But then musicians don't really know about it. And we just feel, mm. sometimes we feel alone in this journey. Um, so that's why I thought, okay, how can I provide all this knowledge I got from this course and all the research out there that there is and provide it to musicians because, you know, sometimes it's there. Like, you can go to Google Scholar and find studies on uh, lots of things, but, you know, they are quite dense to read mm. and sometimes not not everything is useful and we don't have that much time to read all these articles. So my idea was to... Yeah, just to provide a more accessible way for musicians to access all these resources and and coping strategies. Yeah, and and your Instagram is is you have a website as well for this coaching musicians, and you also have yeah. an Instagram. Is that right? And yeah. from your Instagram, it's so it's just so lovely to look at. Each post is so clearly oh. laid out, and you know you click on it, and everything has a different, very clear structure and and it's exactly right you know yeah we there must be um information out there about mindfulness and you know Mm. practice strategies and all of this but there aren't many people that sort of have taken the time to put it into a format that is you know readable and yeah so that's fascinating yeah and sometimes as musicians we kind of struggle also with time yes so we don't really have the time to read all these things so I wanted to make something really visual that people can kind of scroll down and and even just like looking at through yeah. for a minute it could be useful either way. There are all different types of um learners aren't there? I mean that's kind of why I think it's lovely that we can have a conversation and people can listen to it because some people don't yeah. don't enjoy sort of huge um swathes of, you know, articles and information yeah, and exactly. for you to have broken it down is it's really interesting. And I just thought as well, if you could explain a bit about, you know, the, the word coaching musicians, you know, mm. what what is coaching um, and how is it different from sort of therapy, which I think people are a bit more, um, you know, understand a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I've been, I was, had doubts about it as well. And I looked into the literature about it, like, it, the definition of it is and the difference of it is really blurred like you cannot where is the line to separate therapy from coaching but from my personal experience what I think or what I like to see it as is um, coaching is more about thriving is someone that is there for you that probably a bit more experience on what you're doing, knows what the challenges are and knows already about ways to cope with them. So a coach is there to kind of guide you through the process, in this case of performing or uh, having a career in, in a music in music performance. Um, so what's, that's where I see the difference. Uh, I don't know if it, I made myself clear, but... It's just, um, yeah, a coach is there to help you thrive uh, instead of instead of recover. Uh, yeah, from, okay. From because we can have, yeah. 
problems on different levels, I suppose, can't we? And there are issues where you might feel, oh, I, I don't really need to see a therapist, like, but I could really do with some support in a different exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it's there to do. Exactly. It's yeah. like, as well with therapy, they, sometimes there's the stigma of going mm. to a therapist and some people don't feel comfortable with it. Uh, it's a shame because it's nothing to be ashamed of. But um, on, on the other side, uh, coaching is more, as you said, is a support. Is is someone like, it could be even your teacher, like your instrumental teacher, is someone that has already gone through these challenges that you're facing and it provides you with ways that can help you overcome them um, and, and succeed at it. And did you um, ever have any coaching? Like, did you, were you ever coached or did, was, was most of your experience from reading and researching or did you actually engage in any of it yourself? Well, at the moment, whatever experience I have is really anecdotal. It comes more from what I've read. Mm. Um, I guess also I do a bit of teaching uh, to children and that kind of involves some coaching as well. Um, kind of, it mixes with pedagogy and, uh, but yeah, for the moment, the, the experience, I'm trying to get more experience into applying it to musicians. Um, I guess I'm still finishing my studies and yeah, that will come, I think, with time. Yeah, so what would you like to do with it eventually? Do you have a plan ab- about the future with, with coaching? Yeah, um, how I see myself, um, I guess, in an ideal future would be to open a space where musicians can come in and help them in at an individual level, coach them and offer all the opportunities that um, maybe a conservator don't, don't provide. Or So like, let's say, an office where there is a meditation department, a yoga department, a sports department and psychologists and uh, to work in a team to support musicians. Um, And I think that would be my ideal scenario. Um, But yeah, I would like to just keep, keep getting knowledge and keep informing myself and work with musicians one-to-one, see what works, what doesn't, and then kind of form the basis to establish a more a more bigger issue like mm. yeah so you you've clearly um spoken to a lot of musicians through your your research and through your degrees and everything and i'm just wondering if you have a an opinion about why issues like performance anxiety or stress and and all these negative um, things we come across inevitably. Why do you think they're an issue? What are people saying to you when you ask them? Yeah, so, um, well, to start with, music performance anxiety is a a common type of anxiety that affects musicians at any skill level. And it can shorten your career if it's not properly treated um, or properly coped with. Um, how usually music performance anxiety presents is through a combination of symptoms. So it can be like worrying too much about doing a mistake um, and then the implications of making a mistake. What is your teacher going to think? What is the the public is going to think? What your colleagues are going to think? All these worries about it. Um, and all of that makes you kind of narrow your attention onto the threat instead of onto what you're doing, which is the performance and mm. performing music. Um, so that can put you in a state of physical tension and mental tension, and you just want to get out of there. It's like, um, you know, you're probably your breath is short, uh, you have tachycardia or palpitations, tightness in the chest, and dry mouth and all these things is imagine being in that state and having to perform a beautiful piece of music in front of of the public is is that mental and physical state of tension that doesn't really allow you to be present 
and to mm. enjoy what you have um, and what you have to do. And how, what I see about, like, yeah, the issue about performance anxiety is that it can happen the day of the performance, but it can happen weeks before or months before. Mm. Um, so, like, you have a, a lesson and you start to have all these worries. Um, you start to, even you can start to avoid situations where you know you're going to have these anxious behaviors and maybe you cancel lessons or you can even cancel concerts the last minute and you know all this mental state can go on for months and it can really affect your your well-being and your health um yeah because it's it's in a state of distress um and then maybe you have to i don't know you have to postpone an exam because you have uh, performance anxiety symptoms and then in usually on inside the culture of a concert so it's not uh, it's, it has yet to change but sometimes some people don't like to talk about it or are ashamed mm. um, or is this like failure and how other people are going to see you as you failed and it's totally not that and I think what I see from my study and from my research is that most of my participants were dealing with these these issues at a certain level. Some people have stronger stronger symptoms, and some people have uh, lesser or better ways to cope with it. Um, so yeah, I think it is important. The the issue about performance anxiety is it's around as well the culture around it. And that's why I think what you're doing with the podcast is it's great because it's about changing the culture and the ways we talk about it and not being ashamed and just uh, being aware and accepting that we all face these challenges and mm -hmm. there's ways to, to cope with them. Well, yeah, thank you. And thank you for saying that in such a clear way because I think... I have felt exactly as you described, mm. you know, and I think a lot of people will have, and it is debilitating. It is. You know, it is really debilitating, <laughs> and I think we don't give ourselves enough... Um, we don't understand how much um, that shouldn't be... It shouldn't be as debilitating as it is. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not yeah. something that we should have to put ourselves through. But I think you're right because of the... Um, the stigmas and because we feel we can't talk or mm. the implications feel too big you know oh, it's, we have it's to hard. keep a perfect performance yeah there's a lot of issues around that and i see yeah, yeah and we are humans in the end we you know <laughs> any kind of performance is gonna is gonna make all these symptoms arise like public performance even now uh, doing the podcast I was a bit nervous I was like, yeah <laughs> I am I am as well yeah uh, I think it's it's the thing isn't it of perfection yeah and also I don't know if you agree about the, the fear of failing and what failing actually means exactly. as well because I think we can feel that we failed just by feeling anxious a lot of the time like I can wake up on the day of a performance or a few days before feel these terrible emotions and then feel already like I failed exactly like you know see what I mean and enjoy it and yeah and probably because of the anxiety you are gonna make a mistake and then it just all becomes really blurred and mm. um, and difficult to cope with so what are the ways um that you have seen most beneficial to dealing with this level of performance anxiety first of all I think and what I realized a few years ago when when I finished my bachelor's I was in this state of um, not only having performance anxiety the day of the performance but kind of a generalized anxiety about my piano lessons and mm. and yeah a bit about everything related to music um, and what I see, that happened because of the ego involvement. Like, um, I was getting all these, all these anxious feelings and thoughts because I was uh, vulnerable. I was like, I was worried about what people might think of me and what, what, um, yeah. It was. I guess I was mostly that, or what I was 
the pressure I was putting onto myself as well. What I found really useful for me is kind of putting a bit of distance from my from myself and mm. starting to manage other areas of my life. Like not only focused, I was really focused on on my performance and my practice and and life is is more there is more than practice and yeah. and music and i started to focus on i don't know on sport and doing exercise and and yoga um i started as well to take care of my sleep and and even of my diet and once these health pillars were taken care of then I was already feeling much better to perform and I think that's something that musicians forget about. Like we want to be these awesome performers, we want to be the best musicians and then we don't care about our health. Yeah, you know, you see mm. a lot of musicians just practicing and practicing and 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 focusing on on work and what they have to do. But then you see them they are not taking care of their own health and how can you be your best as a musician if you don't take care of yourself? And that's where I, I came across with meditation as well, which I've recently started and, well, I've been trying on and off and it's, it's something that takes practice as well. But how I see meditation really useful as well is to, it gives you the tool to put this distance between what happens in your life and yourself and not relate so strongly to it um, and also accept what's happening and not wanting to control everything that happens to treat performance anxiety or or the symptoms related to it sometimes you have to step out from it and take care of other aspects of your life yeah that's a really good point I think because it is something that needs healing and I think we probably sometimes find feel that we won't heal from it or that it's too much yeah we're too in the music that it's almost like um a romanticized thing to suffer for yeah. it you know what I mean yeah <laughs> but actually we deserve a lot better than that and I think it's so much about a mindset change isn't it mm. and you talk about the ego yeah. um which I think is a really interesting thing to bring bring up because there have been people in the past that say, you know, if you get nervous, that's a very selfish way to feel because mm. you're not really thinking about the music. But, you know, anxiety isn't necessarily something we control. I think okay. it's probably something we react to, isn't it? Mm. It's like the way you react to it, the way you view it is so important. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's just saying that anxiety as a threat and, and then you reacting to it as mm. wanting to escape from it. Um, and that's what anxiety is about, is a, an imaginary um, threat that becomes real to your reality. And the issue about the ego involvement as well is that um, as musicians, sometimes we relate too strongly to what and how we play. So if you play greatly then you think, oh, I'm a better person. <laughs> or, mm. you know, in, put it uh, in easy terms and easy words, but um, it's not that simple. But it happens sometimes. You have a good day, you perform well, and you think better of yourself. And, and yeah. But that can happen the other way around as well. And Definitely. If you have a bad day, then you do a terrible performance that has happened to everyone. And, and then you think less of yourself and I think mm. that relation of ourselves with music can be problematic sometimes and and if you're going to think less of yourself because of having a bad day that can really impact your self-esteem and your confidence mm. and I think it shouldn't be that way yeah um, yeah no, I think you're so right. And I was just going to say how it relates to, in a way, like our, how our body image even on some days mm. is good and then we feel better about ourselves and on some days it's bad and we feel worse about ourselves. And it's, it's kind of like that. There are lots of things in life where if our ego or anything is too attached to, you know, an outside something, yeah. something outside of ourselves, you yeah. know, whether it be 
um, the way we look or the way we play or the way people see us or you know exactly. you know I, and I think what I've learned from meditation as well is that it's no kind of like miracle cure mm. it's just kind of like it flattens the difference between how you feel you know how things affect you in the outside world exactly how much yeah, yeah. and you know some people say oh but then you live this life of non-attachment and you don't feel anything mm. and I just want to clarify um, that doesn't happen even if you are an experienced meditator. I think w what you learn is to to accept what's happening inside yeah. and outside of yourself and not attach to it and let it go even if it's a good thing or a bad thing um, yeah. and kind of just be in the present moment and I think that's what meditation teaches you is to use it teaches you how to use your attention and and you choose where to put it and I think that's a skill that nowadays with all the distractions and technology mm. and everything is really useful just being aware when your attention goes and it gets distracted and take it back to what you were doing and if that happens yeah. in a performance situation like you're doing a concert and your mind wanders and you you gotta be present and focusing the music to be able to express what you're playing so if you don't have that ability to take your attention from one place to another then it, it can be really hard when you get distracted to to go back to the present and and I guess that's when memory slips happen and and mistakes and it's probably because as humans our attention is limited so mm -hmm. you're gonna get distracted anyway but if you have that training of of taking your attention back to what you were doing um, I think that will be a really valuable skill. Do you think that comes with experience, the kind of ability to bring yourself back in a stressful situation? Totally, I think. Yeah. And, you know, you start practicing in, in your room, maybe practicing a few minutes of meditation, but I think it's useful as well to practice in anxious situations where you, where you mm. perform and then you, you bring the skill you learn by sitting down in your room into the concert stage and I think that's what makes the difference in a way is I see you need yeah, yeah you practice in it's, it's great to practice in your room to get used to it but then you gotta use it in real life as well and practice it as well and that takes mm. time yeah as you said it's yeah. not like a magical pill that you swallow and suddenly your <laughs> attention is better and <laughs> yeah I think that's the, the big misconception with anxiety I've had a lot of people say oh I feel like I, I don't want to be anxious on the day of a concert I don't want all those feelings I don't want the sensation on stage of you know feeling zoned out or feeling like I'm losing control or gonna make a memory I don't want all those and it's the sort of thing isn't it of when when you don't want something it's gonna want to it's gonna come back even more <laughs> yeah and I think there's not enough people saying that actually And that's yeah. something I only learned through, you know, um, healing myself for other issues. Mm. And then I realized, actually, if I resist mm. any mental state, then it's going to be even stronger exactly. and even harder to overcome. Yeah, that's... It's all very well as saying this, but there are times, of course, when you feel like I've meditated on the day of a concert, everything's gone fine feeling all right like done everything I could possibly do I'm really prepared everything's fine but then you go and you play and something went goes wrong you know mm. something feels off or you make a big memory slip and I think for me anyway those are the times when I feel like I failed the most because I thought I had it together mm. and then I don't and I'm just wondering if you had like any advice for for that scenario where you feel like you have everything together, but mm. something just completely isn't there and mm. goes wrong. From my personal experience and, and what I've read a bit, useful things is, um, first of all, to accept that state and, and say to yourself, 
uh, okay, that's the situation. There's mm. no more I can do. You've done all your best. And I think self-talk is a really important tool. Um, even what you say to yourself is going to impact really strongly to your behavior. So if in that moment where you really feel of the situation and not comfortable at all, you say, okay, I've done my best. I'm here. I'm just going to try and enjoy. I know it sounds a bit, uh, it's, uh, it's easy to say, but it's not mm. as, it's hard to do. But it's trying to say to yourself, yeah, you've done your best. Now focus on the music and keep going. Mm. Um, and then as well, there's other tools like cue words. Like when you're practicing, you can practice these and Let's say you're practicing and you notice that your your attention is going away and you have one word that brings you back to the present. Um, and then mm. that word brings you back to feeling your body, feeling how, if you're a cellist, for example, how you're seated down, how it feels to be on the chair, your feet on the floor. And kind of bringing back that body sensation can really ground yourself in the present and I feel that is quite helpful when you are in a performance state and where you are anxious is going back to that feeling as where are my feet are they on the floor mm. am I feeling them and you can keep performing that's the that's the beauty of it is like your mind is is trying to to feel but at the same time you are performing um, and that's something I use, for example, when I run, um, when I run long distances, I start to get tired and I start to feel, I start to think, okay, how do my legs feel? I ask myself, mm. uh, are they tired? Why are they tired? What, what is that tiredness? How, how does it feel? Yeah. And all these things, they are just tools to bring you back to the present moment yeah on how, and it's, it's yeah entering into it as well isn't it it's not seeing it as something separate from you exactly it's not yeah and it's saying okay how does it really feel yeah you know, how, how do I feel it's I'm, I'm just here I can't be anywhere else exactly. so I might as well just feel how I feel <laughs> yeah yeah I really like yeah. that yeah yeah totally. and I just I just want to move on now and ask a bit about um the relationship between the way we perform as musicians mm. and maybe how people perform in sport mm. because it's something that I think actually is quite similar but the relationship isn't very often made mm. and you have a uh, on your website and your Instagram you talk about this book by Josephine Perry which mm. is called Performing Under Pressure yeah. Psychological Strategies for Sporting Success yeah, exactly <laughs> So um, have you found there to be a link between sports people and musicians in their performance? And is there anything we could even learn from sports people about how we perform? Definitely. So, well, from my research uh, and the research course, most of the literature that we study actually comes from sports. Um, the study I did on sleep um, mm. It was actually from a sports coach that teaches athletes to sleep better <laughs> for performance. And if you think about it, um, sports, it has a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. Um, first of all, we both use muscles. I mean, they use bigger muscles and, you know, bigger movements. And we use probably more about, is more about our fingers, but it all comes down to the use of our body. Um, and that's one thing. The other thing is, is the fact that we all perform. We all have to mm. get onto a stage in our case, on in their case, into a stadium or a room, a space full of people and perform a series of precise movements um, mm. and all the mental states that you get during performance and before and after are really similar to what as musicians we experience. 
Um, and not only musicians, you know, anyone who performs, a dancer, um, an actor, a public speaker. So in the end, I think it all comes down to performance. Um, and also the similarities between sports and, and musicians in this case is the need to do planet to plan ahead. We spend lots of hours practicing alone. They do practice as well. They do their training on a daily basis. They have to sacrifice um, other aspects of life, like socializing, because they have to train. We have, in musicians, we have a lot of that. We sacrifice uh, some things because we need to practice, and that practice needs to be constant. Mm. Um, and yeah, then there's competitions. We, as musicians and sports, we both have um, to face sev- um, situations where you, in which you are judge. Um, mm. And I think that can be a really stressful situation for both. Um, and is the ways to cope with all these demands at a physical, at an emotional and and psychological level are really similar. And all the, on my webpage for now, most of the the resources I put there, uh, as you well said, they come from a sports book because they can both be applied at the same, mm. at both fields. Um, yeah. If you think about injuries as well, what happens to an athlete or what happens to a musician when he or she gets injured? How do we cope with not not being able to play or not being able to do our sport um, and all these little things that yeah. that make us really similar and yeah yeah I think also it's preparing for one big moment, isn't it? The, yeah, with exactly. performing and it's all those hours and as you were saying it, I was thinking, goodness, yeah, it's all of that time mm. that we then have to prove in just one exactly and that's very similar to them yeah. i suppose they have their so, big competition day and if they fail mm. that then you know their life is yeah but it's that thing as well isn't it of like we're we're all we all understand that andy murray for example a tennis player he's not going to win wimbledon every year mm. you know uh, you know most of the big tennis stars will have a one year where they're really off they're yeah. really not performing well and all of this and i think that is accepted more maybe and the yeah it just feels like there's more awareness for sports people around performing and the stresses around it than there is for musicians definitely yeah. i don't know if you agree Definitely. But the fact that you you're looking to to sports yeah. books, you know, is is it sort of shows that there are more people exactly. talking about it in sport. Maybe it says a lot about it. Yeah, definitely. Like in a sports, they are becoming more aware of 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 the need to have a holistic approach to for the athlete and to the whole world. And I think the music field is a bit behind in that sense. Um, and I think it relates again to the culture around conservatoires and classical music and the aim for perfection. Um, but I think it's changing like with initiatives like yours and the MSc course. And you see Mm. there's a few courses in the UK and even in Australia and South Africa, you see there is an interest to to make all this knowledge that in this case comes from sport mm-hmm. um, apply to musicians and to the music field. And I think it will, it will catch up. It just needs a bit. So kind of related to sport, but not really. Um, you do a lot of yoga, mm-hmm. I seem to remember. And I just was really interested um, if you could tell us a bit about why you practice yoga how you came to find yoga and just how you feel about it in general yeah um yeah so I started yoga um in imperial college because as as college musicians from the RCM we can join their activities and I Mm. just wanted to get to know people and I thought okay I'll, I'll try yoga then and I joined the society and at first um I think I was getting 
the physical benefits like you start to feel stronger you start to feel more flexible um and it then becomes a way a form of meditation as well mm. um so it's like meditation in movement and then how i felt is by doing yoga then i felt more grounded in my own body like even when playing i could feel a bit stronger and just by being flexible i felt more comfortable when i was playing um so i think yeah part some of the benefits of doing yoga is that uh is not a high impact and high intense way of doing exercise mm. so the risk of injuring yourself is quite low if you do it in a gentle way and you still get all the benefits like balance uh, you get stronger you get more flexible and all of that then can be used to perform with your own instrument and to feel more comfortable within your own body and i think yoga also teaches you to accept your limits like you mm. you might do a pose and then not be really flexible and just go halfway instead of do the whole pose but that's okay it's a journey and it's a process and and it feels good to accept that um and i think then this acceptance can be applied to other aspects of your life so mm. it becomes a skill almost a uh, life skill um so i think uh, yoga for musicians yeah is really valuable just because of that yeah, because of the acceptance and then also because of the physical benefits of it um mm. yeah so do you do it um sort of do you follow an online video or now that you've learned a lot of moves do you tend to just follow the the pattern that your body wants to go in that day or how do, how do you do it yeah do so how I practice now is I usually have have my morning routine in which I wake up um, and then I do a bit of yoga usually I do it with a YouTube video in, mm. at the moment I'm following yoga with Tim it's called it's an American guy uh, or there's also Alo yoga which have really great videos. oh yeah and um, I usually follow like a 30 minute uh, yoga flow. Um, at the moment, I still feel I need someone to guide me. I, when I try to do it without a video, I kind of get a bit distracted and I don't mm. so much into the flow. But there's a lot of YouTube channels um, available for that now. And they are free, so it's really easy access. Um, and yeah, I just follow this 30-minute routine and then do a little bit of meditation. And that kind of gets me started on, gets the day started in a really good mindset for me. Mm. And, and physically as well, I feel, I feel more grounded and aligned. Um, do you feel that helped um, during the sort of intense part of the quarantine as well? Did that help to have a routine? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. I think that's kind of what helped me get through it um it was kind of having every day something to look for like waking up yeah having your own moment of peace and calm in the mornings and and then start your day plan um have do all the goals you have set and do a bit of practice but i think it's important when you establish a routine your body gets used to it and then your body kind of looks forward to it so it's something to be yeah. excited about it um and i think during this quarantine it, it has really really helped me to kind yeah. of keep the motivation going yeah so if you were going to um say to somebody that was interested in you know mindfulness and meditation mm. how would you um say is the best way to go about starting all of this because it can feel like quite an overwhelming yeah, lifestyle uh, there are a lot of people yeah. that sort of enter into it completely and make a whole you know life out of out of it but what would you say to someone if they wanted just to start yeah. having a go and looking into it so what I would say is first 
don't set too many unrealistic goals. Like start with something really small as I was like, okay, I'll do a 10 minutes yoga session on Mondays. And I'll try to stick to that during a month. It's If you think about it, it's 40 minutes during one month. Um, so it's like setting really, really small goals of something mm. you want to start. Same with meditation. I started with two minutes because yeah. I couldn't I couldn't sit down more more than that. I was like, oh, I need to start my day. So I started with two minutes. Um, so I think that's part of the success is is not starting all the way through like, oh, I'm going to do yoga and meditation every day because then probably it's not going to happen and then you're going to feel frustrated mm. and then you'll stop doing it. Um, so what I see that works is, yeah, just setting really a really small goal that you can stick for it for at least a month and see how it goes, see how you feel. And another useful thing could be joining uh, a society or joining uh, some yoga classes because then if you do it with other people I think it's a bit uh, more motivating than doing it by your own and mm. yeah just accepting that some days you might not do it and, and it's okay you won't lose any any progress you've made so far and you can always try it the next day again yeah and I also really recommend people to check out your Instagram and your website oh. Thank you. Uh, so can you tell people how to get in touch with you or um, find out more about what you do? And Yeah, of course. So, um, well, I'm on, on Instagram at Coaching Musicians and my webpage is the same as coachingmusicians.com. And if you want to reach me at a personal level, um, you can just go to my Instagram, which is Laura Serra Music or like Facebook. Um, and I'm really interested in in working with people and at the moment working with other college students and they write articles for my webpage. And so I'm always open to collaborate and, mm. and, and yeah, and help people if I can. I'm there. That's so great. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a student. I'm still learning, but if I can offer anything, I'll, I'm always there. Well, you have so much amazing advice and wisdom already, honestly. <laughs> um, but I just want to finish by talking about one more thing, which really struck me when I read it um, on your, I think it was on your Instagram. Yeah. You said you were sort of talking about being psychologically well. Mm. And you talked about this as being not necessarily the absence of mental illness. Mm. And it's about reaching your best potential. And this is something that I absolutely love because... You know, I, I am quite open about the fact that I struggle with a mental illness. And I agree, like there is something in within me that, says, that feels sometimes psychologically well, mm. even though I might feel in the depths of, you know, not a good place. There is still this kind of light. Um, and it's also um, something that Stephen Fry, I don't know if you know Stephen Fry. Yeah. He's like an English, um, what is he? Report, a journalist? Is he a journalist? So I'm just editing this and I realised how completely stupid I am and Stephen Fry is obviously an actor. <laughs> I have watched Blackadder. Um, and he, he suffered with bipolar mm. and he's always saying, you know, people with mental illness can live really full, amazing yeah. lives. And I think that's part of being psychologically well, maybe. But I'd like you to explain what you think it is and why it's different from mental illness. Yeah, of course. So what I think and what I've seen... Or read is that being well and well-being is is the positive feeling that goes with the lack of of illness um, so let's say you don't have any illness you you are fine but there is something in you that doesn't feel quite right or or maybe you are not experiencing so many positive emotions during your day to day mm. and something doesn't feel quite right there's a really interesting theoretical model which is called perma model it's by martin seligman and he has a book that's called flourish and it's really interesting because it 
breaks down well-being into five pillars, which is positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning and accomplishment. And I think recently they added physical health as well. So is that understanding of well-being that it comes through experiencing positive emotions, not only not having an illness or yeah, it's, it's, it's about experiencing positive emotions during your day to day. You know, that doesn't mean you're not going to have negative emotions as well. But is, is that a positive, rain, um, positive states that goes through, throughout your day mostly? Mm. And, but that's not the only thing. There's engagement. How do you engage onto the activities you do? Are, are you fully engaged? Are you fully experiencing what you're living? And that has a really strong impact on your on your well-being as well as relationships how do you relate to others uh, caring about others and then there is the thing that comes from meaning and accomplishment and um, which usually comes in our case through music and what we accomplish with with our music and as our in our lives as performers I think um, that's the important thing to understand is that being well means thriving and flourishing and not only and not only not having an illness yeah and i was reading yesterday a really interesting definition of health which says that is an a state of mental and physical well-being of an individual um and it was saying that the word health is derived from the old english word that means heal. And it also means whole, signaling that the health concerns to the whole person and to his or her integrity and well-being. So it's like that understanding of health as a whole, as a, mm. as a, yeah, as a, in a holistic approach rather than just having a disease or not. Yeah. If that, if that makes that. sense. <laughs> no, it does. Because I think also um, it can feel quite easy to identify with what you're going through mm. and to feel that that label then means that the whole of your day is clouded by one overriding emotion of depression or anxiety. But actually, you know, I think I love what you say about being present. And it's almost a, a gratitude thing as well, I think, mm. maybe. Yeah. And that that's maybe not... Maybe even if you're feeling like you can't conjure up a positive emotion, it's a positive state rather than a, than a positive emotion. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's like it's a, it's a state of an intention to wellness and healing and positivity, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I really love that. Well, you know, this conversation has been so wonderful and oh, thank you, you have so some incredible wisdom to share. And thank you. And, you know, you're, please, everyone, do go and check out Coaching Musicians on Instagram and the webpage because it's beautiful to look at and mm. is has a lot of wonderful wisdom. So thank you so much, Laura. Thank you so much to you <laughs> for this opportunity. Yeah, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you so much.